Grace and peace to you from God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I have always been a person who loves organizing things and planning things and coming up with new exciting methods of organization and new exciting ways to reach my goals. So this time of year, every year, I start planning and thinking and getting excited about New Year's resolutions, about new things I want to do in the year and how I'm going to achieve them. Some of this is my ADHD. None of the plans last that long, but that's all right. Change them as they go. And New Year's resolutions are common, obviously, this time of year. I'm sure you've seen advertisements for new exercise programs or gyms or weight loss programs or whatever else um, that gets advertised in this year because it's a new year and it's time to start doing something new. But I think in our world, certainly in my own, many of these New Year's resolutions, New Year, New Me opportunities quickly turn into opportunities for failure and shame. How many people talk about how the gyms are full in January and empty by February? Or, oh, I was on a diet, but then a holiday or a birthday or something came along and now I'm gone and off my diet forever. <laughs> or, oh, I definitely meant to practice a new language this year, but I forgot for three days in a row, so now I'm done and I will only speak one language as I always have. It can be tricky in the new year. It can be tricky especially for those of us who are excited to try new things, excited to try to better ourselves, to change ourselves for the good. We say over and over again, new year, new me, but the same us carries through. I have found it to be powerful every year at the beginning of the year when I am full of these hopes for change, when I am full of these resolutions and this desire to be different than I am, to read the story of, jo of Jesus' baptism. I don't think the lectionary writers were thinking of this intentionally when they wrote the lectionary and put it in this place, but it is powerful to read the story of the beginning of Jesus' ministry when we are in the beginning of new changes ourselves. You see, it's important to know that Jesus' baptism happens before he begins to preach, before he begins to teach, to gather disciples, to perform miracles. Nobody knew who Jesus was that day he walked down to the Jordan. He was just one amongst the many who were going to John to be washed of their sins and forgiven. But something different happened for Jesus. Something different happened in his baptism that changes everything for us. They did a good dunking baptism, unlike what we do here in the church. But Jesus was down under the water, and as he stood up out of those waters, the heavens were torn open. 
And in all the Gospels that, that tell this story, it's not just a simple parting of the clouds with angelic chorus behind it. The heavens are ripped apart. It's noticeable. It's urgent. The heavens are torn apart, and then the Spirit of God descends upon Jesus and says something so powerful. You are my son. You are beloved. With you, I am well pleased. It's a powerful, powerful phrase to come from God, a powerful proclamation. In Jesus' baptism, before his ministry, before his work, well before his sacrifice for all of creation, God says to Jesus, you are beloved. With you, I am well pleased. In Jesus' baptism, we see connections to our own. In Jesus' baptism, we see what we receive in our own baptism, in our own connection with this community of Christ. They're different, of course. We are not the one and only begotten Son of God. That's Jesus. And we do have sins to repent of, and we believe Jesus did not. But when Jesus chose to step into that water, to be washed and connected to God, he showed us how we are connected to God. He shows us how God chooses us, chooses creation, chooses each and every one of us, not because of what we have done, but because of God's love for us. In Jesus' baptism, which we are connected to in our own baptism, in our own connection to this life of Christ, this church of Christ, we see that God is so eager to draw near to us, so, so careful and, and interested in claiming us as God's own, that God will tear the heavens apart. Much later in Jesus' story, when he is dying on the cross, a curtain is ripped apart in much the same way as the heavens in this story. The curtain in the temple that was no flimsy piece of cloth, the curtain in the temple that separated where God rested from the rest of the people so we would not be harmed by the holiness of God. When Jesus dies, that curtain tore in two from bottom to top. God chooses to draw near to us. God chooses to break into our world tear the heavens open if God must, and declare, you are beloved. With you I am well pleased. God is not pleased with us because we are perfect or sinless. 
God is not pleased with us because we have perfect attendance at church or do everything just right. God loves us because God made us. God loves us because we are God's. And in baptism, in this community, we are, we are claimed by God and promised by God that that love will never, ever stop reaching us. God will tear the heavens apart if need be. So in this new year, as I look at my new resolutions, it is important to remember that trying to be better is good. But when you fail, and we all will, whether that is failing to go to the gym, failing to learn a language, or just struggling along in life sometimes. Your worthiness is not lost. Your belovedness is not gone. God chooses you before your worthiness and makes you worthy. God does not wait for you to be perfect to love you. And it is with this love of God, with the changes that God brings into our lives to draw near to us, that we can grow, we can be changed. Our faith can change us in ways we probably won't predict and probably won't write down in a New Year's resolution. God's love is a powerful thing. Here at the beginning of the year and here throughout all time. God says, you are beloved. With you, God is well pleased. And nothing, nothing will change that love. Amen.